eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at Earsports.com, a Paramount podcast. I am Mike Casaza in Beaver Stadium. I was one of the 110,742, the largest audience to see West Virginia play a football game and to see Penn State rank seventh in the country um, make it interesting late. Uh, not in any sort of like competitive aspect, but maybe in a salty aspect that we can get to. They win 38 to 15. West Virginia, I think long story short here, began to unravel a bit in the second half. Penn State began to settle in, take control, and it just got away from a team that is uh, overmatching or man a lot of the one-on-one battles there. But 0-1, Chris, for the third straight season. That has never happened to a WBU football coach before. It has happened three times in school history and not since 1959, 1960, 1961. But that is the history that Neil Brown wrote today. Um, did not want to do that. Hope to write other history, but he closes the book on this chapter and goes back to Morgantown confident in his team. Not discouraged. I think he said that several times. Zero discouraged, I believe, was his first quote in there. And let's let's start here. Let's start right there. Is that good? Like, I, I, I mean... It's 14-7 at the half, and they they get a chance to, you know, they parry a shot at the start of the third quarter where Penn State just, they, after they missed the two field goals, they didn't do anything with that first drive out of the half, and then you get the ball, and you got a chance. I mean, I understand you don't go on the road as a 21-point underdog and expect to win, maybe you hope to win, but you have a chance. I think you can be discouraged that you played a good enough first half, but you never got better and closer, even though you had some opportunities. I, I wonder if he's just being overly optimistic and then maybe as much of a cheerleader as a head coach. Okay. So you, you answered the question I was going to ask you, because I was going to say, are you zero discouraged um, after seeing this game? Cause that, and I, I tweeted this and it just it had the feel of, I believe you know, like two years ago, three years ago where the defense was, you know, it wasn't the best in the world. You know, I know there was a couple of years where the defense was great. But I think it was two years ago where they were they were good, they were good. Mm. But every like in the games they would just eventually get worn down and and they would give up more points than maybe you thought they should have or it didn't feel like they were giving up that many points. And today 
kind of felt the same way. And it would just felt like, Hey, the defense got to stop. Like you know, sometimes it was a drop touchdown, a missed field goal, but it was still like, Hey, the defense is not the reason West Virginia is losing right now. And the offense is getting another opportunity and another opportunity and another opportunity. And they're just not converting on it. And then that final, uh, you know, right after the, after halftime where West Virginia gets the, the defense gets a three and out West Virginia gets the ball. And it's like, here you go, go and tie it up. And they go negative one yards. And it just felt like that. That was it. Like the defense was just like, we're giving you all we could possibly give at this point. And if, and from that point on, Penn State's drives were touchdown, field goal, touchdown, touchdown. Yeah, I want to come back to that last touchdown in a minute here. Um, but to your point, I think it's hard to bring this team in here um, on this night. And it, it was awesome here, man. Like it was, I'd never been here before. And I don't want to be like, oh man, how about a cool place? But it was it was a really nice environment, like stadium rocking, crowd definitely into it. They they sing the entire time. Like anytime there's a, a break, it's all chanting, all singing. It, it feels like it's an important thing here and i'm sure that buoyed the home team and, and probably did some good to west virginia too like hey well, this is a big time opportunity for us but it's also a big time stage just make sure we're up to the task and never really got there i mean the first series on defense they have a bust um then it just goes poorly right away and then despite that like i think you can feel better about staying in the game and really kind of seeing their plan through to the locker room which was hang in, hang in, hang in. And when it goes to the fourth quarter, then the pressure's off of, off of West Virginia onto Penn State and then see what happens. And just never got there because that third quarter just, I mean, that's, you know, the penalties started to pop up and the mistakes started to pop up. Some odd decisions started to pop up. And I think it's hard to be discouraged that your team can't beat number seven Penn State. I think it's maybe a little bit easier to be discouraged that you had a lot of things go the way you needed it to. You didn't get turnovers or penalties or miscues, but you didn't commit them. And the other team wasn't running and hiding from you. They were not outclassing you. So you kind of succeeded in, in being on the field and being worthy and making this a game when a lot of people didn't think that was going to be the case. And the fact that you couldn't do anything with that in a year where you have to make some leaps, some strides at the quarterback position, at the skill positions, in the secondary, I think you can be discouraged at least for a night that didn't happen because if one or two of those things happen, if you take a stride here or there, all of a sudden that gap doesn't get too big in that second half and you're right there. Then who knows what happens? I think that's a fair assessment. Um, I don't think you, you bail on the season and sell all your stock because you couldn't win on the road in the front of 110,000 people on a Saturday night. But I think for a night you could be discouraged that you had a chance. And you didn't get done what you intended to do the way you wanted to do it. And I feel like we're coming back to a couple similar conversations that we had after the season opener last year. Um, last year, obviously a little more heartbreaking for WV fans, and it was a game where West Virginia literally had, had you know had the game. It was theirs to win, and they kind of gave it away. Um, you come into this one, and Neil Brown says afterwards, you know, basically that's the most talented team they'll face all season. Um, are we as media folk and prediction specialists? going to fall into that trap again and and think, hey, it's not going to get any tougher than it's already been for this team, and maybe they can come out of it you know, just fine down the road? Yeah, I wasn't convinced that Pitt was great last year after that game, and part of that was because like they kind of got pushed around at times by West Virginia. Um, I didn't think that West Virginia was that great, but different animal here. Like uh, That is an extremely talented defense, but, man, they were fast. 
and they had waves of people they could run in. I think that's a fair assessment. This is going to hold. And we've talked about how brutal September is going to be. Are you sure about that? TCU loses. Uh, as we're talking right now, Wyoming is beating Texas Tech um, in Wyoming. But, like, I think people thought those were juggernauts and big bads, like the defending national runner-up and a team that's 4-0 against Neil Brown. That doesn't really matter because who knows. So I think that you could say this might have some value. Like, listen, they're going to look like a million bucks next week because the team across from them is not going to look at all like Penn State. And Duquesne will probably be vanquished pretty early. And you'll get guys who get a lot of confidence going up. And that's dangerous for Pitt when they come to town because they're going to feel a lot better than they do right now. They're going to say, you know what? Played all right with Penn State for, I don't know, 35, 45 minutes. Boat race Duquesne because we made that significant week one to week two stride. We'll have no problem with Pitt or we should be on the field with Pitt or Pitt might be playing catch up with us, right? I think you can expect that type of a verve, a confidence. So um, I'm not ready to change my season-long prediction again because I goofed up on that last year where I thought that by, you know, the night of the game, the afterglow in Heinz Field, I was like, this team may be better than I thought. Uh, I didn't see that tonight. I did not see the the light bulbs and the things that make me say, okay, this team has turned the corner. It's made the difference here. It has found that extra year. So I really can't get there yet, but I do think there's a value in parts of this game saying pretty good, and if not for this, if not for this, Maybe it's a different story. I think there is some value there, but that's going to come across in coaching and and how that's served, but also how that's digested by the players too. All right. Immediately after the game, I don't even think you've had a chance to see this on the site. Um, As you you, post game, you went over there for the Neil Brown press conference. I did stock up, stock down, immediate thoughts on some position groups and some one aspect of the game without looking What's your one position group player, whatever that is a stock up and one that's a stock down after one game, like where it was compared to, you know, or where it is compared to what you might've thought a week ago. Player, probably Trey Lathan. Coba had a great game, but I think people thought he's going to be like that, but Trey Lathan played a lot. And and I think he looked the part and played the part. That's good. Uh, position defensive line. Um, I don't know that the gap between their, their one. And I think they played seven or eight guys tonight. I'm not sure it's a great gap between one, the first guy and the last guy, but it's pretty good. And they got good snaps out of people tonight. So that was that was important to me. Conversely, on offense, um, I don't know what I feel better about. I kind of like some things about Cole Taylor. That was interesting to me. I did keep an eye on that. But my, my stock down, Chris, is going to be receiver. Um, they're not fast. And they didn't have E.J. Horton. I never saw um, Gallagher out there on the field. And they just did not have a robust threat out there that could stretch the field. Like they had Jeremiah Aaron out left. Uh, I didn't see Ja'Shawn Polk play maybe a handful of snaps. He's supposed to be a guy who can move, but um, Carter and, and Bram and Preston Fox. And I think, I don't know what Traylon Ray's deal is yet. I know he's tall and he can run, but I, it wasn't a great night for him to display that stuff against that secondary. But I don't know where their game breaking speed is. Never saw Jaheen White. Like there are these X factors, these, these boost guys on offense. Um, and again, didn't see White, didn't see Gallagher, uh, no Horton. Where, where's where's the juice coming from that's supposed to turn small plays into big gains or or simple things into greater opportunities for the offense? I don't know where that is right now. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Um, my three goals piece on the countdown, number three, one of them was to get some big plays, 40 plus yards. West Virginia has ranked near the bottom in the country every single year since Neil Brown arrived. Um, prior to that top 25, I think every year, except for 2000, the Paul Millard, uh, Ford Childress, Clint Trick at carousel year. And they were like 34th that year. Every year since Neil Brown has been here is in the hundreds out of 130 teams. Zero plays of 40 yards today, and only one play over 23. I think I think the second biggest play was 23 yards. So the biggest play was that 37 yard pass to Carter. Was it? Would have been, no. would have been another one, but Green just whiffed on a third uh, in the second quarter. I think it was there, mm-hmm. but just didn't connect it. And then there was a I think one in the middle of the. Traylon Ray that might have been there. He would have had to do some running after, but it was it was open for sure. And Green's kicking himself about that. But yeah, I think that's a problem for sure. Are you discouraged or disappointed that we didn't see uh, a Gallagher, a Jaheim White? I'm not saying they're the difference in the game, but we talked um, to coaches and players about this. And now we're going to get the ball, or we're going to get these guys the ball in space. We're going to give them a chance. But like, I don't know, man. Flip it to Preston Fox, so he can flip it to Preston or to Cortez Bram, so he can flip it to Garrett Green. Um, that doesn't seem like the splash play that they should be trying to manufacture. Are we going to get into the fourth and two, bringing the cold backup QB off the bench? Don't want to get him in. I want to get there. I'm just like, I'm, I mean, is this, is this an overreaction you think first game? Like I, I do think that they were, that's a good secondary. I'm not sure it's all world or whatever. It might be the best they see, but like I was, I was really kind of left wanting more vertically or at least stretching or, okay, we can't do something. I know screen passes the devil for some people, but is there a way to get these guys the ball in space and make something happen? I just don't know if maybe white's not ready yet. Maybe Gallagher's not ready yet, but um, boy, those are two freshmen I had high hopes for. I don't know what Horton's going to do, but uh, I don't know how you fix that unless you play those guys because Fox isn't going to get faster. Um, you know, Carter's a big guy and he's got some speed. He's a good athlete, but I'm not sure he's that over the top game breaker or a guy who can catch one or run away from people. I'm curious about that because they're going to need that element because I'm not sure that Green is a guy who's going to sit back and pick defenses apart and march it down the field over and over and over without something happening to him or the defense doing something to him that's going to, it's going to be third and nine at some point, I think. With you completely on that one. Okay. I have not read your stock up and stock down. I did retweet it and I got the warning about, do you want to read the article first? And I said, no, just repost this. Yeah, let's go Um, the fourth down, which I, I mean, I feel bad. I had to ask about it. No one asked about it. I was like, I guess I'll do it. And it, I feel like Brown just kind of like bowed his head right away. Like he's like, I knew you were going to ask this, but <laughs> I just wondered if they were trying to steal one there and, and it just didn't go well. Um, it fooled absolutely nobody, which I think was part of the design too. Um, I had to go back and I'll have to watch the tape, Chris, but I, I believe the Browns said something along the lines of that. We knew they were going to go cover zero, which means they're, they're going to see that and just blitz everybody, um, which means you don't account for the quarterback, who in that case is green, who's not as a receiver, which means you do account for him. <laughs> 
and he got swallowed up by a blitzing linebacker. So, but he said that Green just didn't get outside far enough. And if he gets outside that guy, he can he can take in the flatter, he can go vertical, and then then Marquio's got a better pass. But um, what's curious to me is that Green said that just it didn't work out like they saw on tape, which means that they were saving that for a spot, I would assume, and that was the time they chose to deploy it. It was fourth and was it three or five? Oh, that play was fourth and two. Two. Oh boy. Yeah, that's that was my thing. Was it you know, fourth and three, fourth and five, you you gotta bring in the run pass option. But fourth and two, man. Mm, mm, mm. Um, I credit him for for trying something there. His answer was, you know, we were just trying to have some fun, which that's a weird intersection of the game to have some fun but i just don't think he had a great answer for that which makes the question hard to ask and hard to answer i mean he can just say we tried it and it stunk what can i tell you um that's never been his way to do things i get that that's fine but uh not what i would have dialed up there for sure um i just don't know how you can run that i mean that like that they rehearsed on the bus ride over here just look, did not look crisp and, and when penn state saw the backup quarterback motion into the backfield it, it, all the arrows pointed, okay, get this guy, this guy, and we're going to get there in a hurry and make this happen fast. And, and they did. So something else I said in that stock up, stock down. Maybe it was controversial. I, I want to get your thoughts on this. The secondary. I said it didn't feel like they were as egregiously bad as they were last season. And then... You know, I got thinking about it more, and then you look at the stats, and you're like, oh, my God, they were the 22 of 30 for 332 yards with three touchdowns and no interceptions. And I was like, but were they as, as bad as they were last year, and I just forgot, or, or I thought they were worse last year? Mike, what, what are your thoughts on the secondary? Not deep. And Marcus Floyd doesn't make the difference there, but they just they just didn't play a lot of people. I I, I would think Burks played every snap tonight. I'd have to go. I'll look at those snap count in the morning. But he played a lot. Wilson played a lot. Um, Bishop played a lot. Wilson Lamp played a lot. I don't think Ruffin played much. Um, so just they didn't have that, and they didn't get taxed. I don't think that the guys that they were chasing around were like super sprinters or just athletically better than them. So that maybe wasn't too hard. That was a lot of snaps in the first game for a lot of these guys and we'll, we'll know more when we actually see all the data on that. So I'm not sure if that's not their best. Again, that's the problem where depth is. If that's not their best and then, okay, why are they out there? And then can they be beaten out? So that's going to be something that they're going to have to push and compete for. And you hope the next week you get some guys out there that didn't, but it, the communication, like they, they talked about how they dumbed it down and did things and like, all right, let's not do this. Let's not do this. I don't know what happened the first touchdown pass, but it looked like play action and maybe Wilson really bit on it. And then there was nobody deep to help. Burks, but Brown also said at the game that they had a one-on-one, they had it covered, and the guy fell down. So maybe that maybe he's supposed to run with the guy. I mean, the receiver did motion from the outside inside, so that maybe becomes his responsibility. Wilson Lamp just kind of fans out, so he doesn't give up a wheel rat or something to a tight end or a running back out there. And Burks is supposed to run with that receiver and just didn't. And sometimes you lose that one-on-one. The trouble though, Chris, is that on the second touchdown pass to Keandre Lambert Smith, I'm pretty darn sure it was the exact same play. And if not, it was almost identical conceptually, including the motioning in and having the defense compact in the secondary, and then they just get totally confused there, and, and that's concerning because they were supposed to remove those elements. That stuff that was problematic and would cause them trouble with communication in the back end, and it popped up. And and when it came to having to run with their receivers, they didn't run with the receivers. They got beat on crossing routes and square ends and things like that a couple of times tonight, and then by the end of the game, they just kind of look a little defeated toward the end and just didn't want to cover and tackle, and that last touchdown pass was way too easy for something that should not have been that easy. 
for the record, the Lambert Smith play both touchdowns. He he certainly ran the same route, same thing. Like you said, he he motioned outside in, and then kind of like a skinny post that just kind of kept fading. You know, obviously on the on the second touchdown, he's a little closer to the end zone, so um, didn't quite have the running room that he did on the first one. Well, I mean, let me rephrase that. He didn't have to run as far, um, uh, and you know, had a defender on the first one, the second one. He's kind of waltzed in, was wide open, and and I saw him motioning in. I saw the cornerback. Uh, forgive me for not remembering who, who was involved. There's, I mean, I don't need to be, you know, specifically calling people out right here, but the cornerback, you know, released him essentially. Like, all right, you know, I'm releasing this guy, and and the point is, after that is somebody in the next line is supposed to pick him up, but then you see Lambert Smith run right past that safety. And then there's a third safety, and he runs right past him, and it looked like another a linebacker. And you're like, wow, he he just ran through four different defenders, and all of them released him to the next guy. And and the guys that are up close didn't, you know, no, uh, you know, bumping him or anything like that. No resistance anywhere, and he just kind of ran free. And that was that was again one of those moments where I was like, all right, I think the defense they haven't given up, but it's just kind of warn on them that that they're still out here on the field yeah yeah um positives before we get to the james franklin neil brown duel um i was kind of impressed by how they were able to get pressure i think that's one thing we always worry about with the bayonet or defensive bank and they get past rush because they, they really had to especially that quarterback tonight who drew Aller handled it really well but they got to him a couple times and, and made him throw it away or made him make passes earlier than he wanted to whether it was koba or lathan or uh, Tomiwa Durajayi or Sean Martin. I mean, they got to him and got in the backfield sometimes. And that's a pretty good offensive line. Like the left tackle is very good. Their center is very good. Their right guard is back, I believe. Um, they lost their left guard to retirement this week. So they're changing some things there, but some good players up there. Um, and the running backs are enough that you sometimes got to cool a little bit when you pass rush and the quarterback was mobile. So I'm sure after a while they got in the heads of the pass rush, but they were there a couple of times. And that's, that's encouraging to me because, um, that's a question mark for them for sure. That would be one takeaway that I think is a small thing that could become bigger here. And again, you don't want to put too much in this first game because the opponent, the venue, all that stuff. But I think that's transferable. They may have something there that could build on that. I wasn't sure about, but now you might lean in and look for that to be a little bit better, a little bit sooner than you thought. Anything stand out for you? I'm with you on both parts of that. And you mentioned specifically Trey Lathan earlier and um, the, the linebacking core was solid today very solid and it was one of my biggest concerns because it was like yeah hey Lee Cove is going to be good and he was 13 tackles almost twice as many as the next player on the team um got in the backfield got to hit a couple hits on the quarterback he, he seemed to be all over the place and that was that's basically expected from him at this point but Trey Lathan again like Will linebacker you're like man what are they going to do there there's nobody that has experience and and it didn't seem like Trey Lathan was overwhelmed with the situation overwhelmed with the um you know the crowd or the intensity and he certainly didn't seem overmatched with the talent on the other side of the ball either which is a great sign for West Virginia moving forward so I think that was a big one and also defensive line um AJ Jackson said during fall camp you know hey we got some I don't know if we got a game breaker however he phrased it but we got a solid group and and I that concerned me I was like, hey, man it's nice that it's solid but really want like a, a playmaker on defensive line. And I don't know. There was like, you know, big sacks 
too much going on. I know Tommy uh, Durajaye had one, but I did feel like they were solid, and 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 it showed, and it and it ended up with very solid results, uh, turning, you know, maybe one of the best, one of the better run games in the country into a pretty mediocre showing for Penn State. Yep. Uh, finally, um, Jimmy Buffett passed away Friday evening. Today's the day after. I want to talk about salt, 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 salt. Um, little beef here. Little little James Franklin, Neil Brown. Whoa. Explosion. You hear that? I'm okay. Uh, <laughs> people want to talk about this, I guess. The going for it on fourth down, the scoring a touchdown on fourth down, um, Neil Brown's explanation afterwards. You've already written about this here. What do you see? What do you think? What do you think? Uh, in the moment, I was like, well, this is odd. Like, fourth and three. I mean, I almost, you know, do you really want to kick a field goal there? Like, is that, you know, what if we get into the whole sportsmanship thing? So I was like, hey, just get that first down, and then then you can kind of sit on it. But there was no sitting on it. Um, my thing has always been, if you have your backups in and you want to be a good coach, you run your offense and he put his back. I don't know if like the whole first team, the whole offense was, was backups in there. Obviously they'd switch quarterbacks and you want to get them some reps. And I, and, and, and for that reason, I'm okay with that. Like, you know, still trying to run like a regular offense with your backup quarterback. I did think it was a little strange after they got that first down on the fourth and three and they're inside the 10. And it's like all you have to do is kneel twice. Like they're out of court, they're out of timeouts at this point. West Virginia's out of timeouts at this point. Just kneel twice, game's over. And instead they're like not just like, hey, let's just run it up the middle, but now we're gonna run back up, rush back up to the line to run another play to try to get it out there. And yeah, Neil Brown after the game. Uh somebody sent me that what was that tweet from that. That Twitter get personality drill. It's like oh, yeah. another thing. I'm not mad. Don't put in the newspaper that I got mad. I'm not mad. It's <laughs> kind of what this felt like. Yeah. Um. 2017. Penn State's playing Georgia State. It's 56 nothing. Um. The Georgia State kicker's on to kick a field goal, and James Franklin calls a timeout, and he gets called out afterwards because the guy comes back in the field and misses the kick, and the guy someone asks him after the game about it, and Franklin says, "Well, we we didn't have our threes out there." We had, you know, we don't rehearse that. We want to get it right. We said, who cares about you getting your third team or your personnel right on PAT field goal block late in the fourth quarter of a game when it's 56-0? I think that's maybe just him sometimes, that maybe he uses the game to do this stuff, or maybe he's trying to make a point, like didn't want Georgia State to kick a field goal just to snap a shutout. It was 56-0. I think he wanted to get the shutout. And, like, Brown's calling timeouts. Frankly, that's like a rule, too. Like, if you're going to keep playing, we're going to keep playing. And sometimes you have to do that um, because, I don't know, you call timeouts – what goes around comes around, Chris. And then we heard that later on because Brown was asked about it and said those things, what goes around comes around and that'll come around sooner or later. I don't know when. Um, I'm pretty sure he's thinking August 31st, 2024, because that's when Penn State visits Morgantown to start next season. So that'll be fun. I have not read the Penn State clippings or if James Franklin addressed it, but I'm sure that that is going to get some life. Uh, not asked about after the game and not discussed until right now. I did not see this until because I was on my way down to the post game. I missed this, but ring around the rosy, Chris. That has been every response from every Penn State person on Twitter so far. Was about the you know the 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 comments from Neil Brown about James Franklin was 
you know, something to the effect of weren't you doing ring around the rosy on two point conversions like 30 seconds earlier? So that's what we talked about. Uh, it worked. A shovel pass, no less, too. Yeah. I'd like to know the backstory on that one. Um, all right. Well, that's it for us here. Uh, I'm back to my hotel up and early tomorrow. We'll be back with the regular assortment of Sunday stuff. My three things, I think. I'm uh, going to kind of review some of the post game that we did not get into great depth on the site or the podcast tonight. Get you some snap counts. And then, Chris, uh, we'll have some power rankings from you. And, and who knows how this shakes out. But what do you have up your sleeve for the first Sunday of the football season? Yeah, we're going to have some silver linings up in the morning, some PFF grades. Uh, I will not be doing the things, the, the plays that change the game because according to ESPN's GameCast, I'm pretty sure like it never dropped below 85%. Like even when it was 14-7 and West Virginia had the ball in the second half. Mm. Um, so no need to really run that article. Uh, but we'll see if we, any recruits have some interesting things to say. We'll have those updates and then the – Q&A thread for our VIP members to hop in and ask some questions for us about this game, about what's going on moving forward. And uh, and then I guess we'll get ready to record that podcast too. So if you listen to this VIP member, get ready to ask those questions. If you're not a VIP member, 50% off VIP right now, go over to the site, sign up, or go ahead and hop on a monthly subscription and you can get Paramount Plus right away with it. Lots going on, lots to talk about, lots to write about. We'll be back at it before you know it. Until then, I am Mike Casaza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We will talk to you then. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast.